0: Step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time
1: Best Sports Blog winner.
0: With Justin Bradford. Three-time
1: winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC.
0: And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the Music City.
1: Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game.
0: Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here at ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Crawford, Glenn Blanco, producer Kenny, taking care of us behind the glass. We appreciate you, as always, sir, for stepping in. And the National Predators, I think we are in the mode now to where the points don't matter. Just please play competitive and look good doing it. <laughs> is, is give the, us,
1: yeah, yeah, give us something good to watch, something that makes us feel, you know, a little more comfortable about the future of this team. Exactly. Um, you hate to imagine that the only opportunity that these younger players are getting is due to injury to some of your star players, but that's the nature of the game. So it's, it's an opportunity. And for me, I mean, I think you'll agree. I think that we're seeing these, these young players take this opportunity to truly truly show us what they're capable of. And I think that they're doing a great job. You know, I think it's a, I mean, it's a fresh start. It's a great opportunity for them to shine. And I think um, I think I'm liking what I see so far.
0: Yeah, me too, and they're they're stepping in, and granted, I mean, Jeremy Davies won game, but he looked comfortable out there, and that's what's important, and Mm -hmm. six rookies played in that overtime loss to Carolina, six, that is the most since March of 2016, and in March of 2016, the rookies that were playing in that game, Victor Arvidson, Austin Watson, Colton Sissons, (laughs) to to name a few of those, those guys were the rookies uh, way back then, and I think overall, and this is not to take away from a lot of those players that were rookies then, when you look at the six rookies that are playing right now, it shows the restocking of the cupboard has happened a little bit mm-hmm. because Ellie Tolvanen, Jeremy Davies, uh, Rem Pitlick, those guys I think are a step above in terms of potential compared to that draft class that was, that was in, that were, that were rookies in 2016. That's a, that's a good sign. That is, that is good. It's not me knocking the rookies that were there in oh, yeah, 2016 as a future
1: yeah. <laughs> speaking that right there up to the development of this team.
0: So it does, it does. And so obviously Roman Yossi week to week <laughs> with mm-hmm. an upper body injury. Uh, let's, let's discuss that first. Glenn is we saw that Dante Fabro had a bad hit, a really bad hit in that Carolina Delivered game. A bad
1: hit. Yeah.
0: Delivered a bad hit, did not look intentional, but just something that he needs to be able to control himself and his body and get his elbow down suspended for two games. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm seeing most people are like yes two games that makes total sense it should have been a major Mm -hmm. in that game for what happened but there's so much inconsistency and that's where people get frustrated so much frustration that you have what about ism that starts Mm -hmm. to come out because of it that there wasn't a call on the hit on Roman Yossi Mm -hmm. by Dickinson which should have been a call and should have been at minimum a fine at minimum at least a fine even then people would laugh was a fine but at least it's some action that was taken here Mm -hmm. Dante Fabro rightfully so gets suspended for two games you got to have the elbow down man that that is very dangerous hit and I think you could see the look on his face he didn't mean to do that he's just trying to up his physical game and it was unintentional he didn't leave his feet his feet left after the hit was taking place Uh, but as that is one of those things to teach a lesson and now puts the team in another predicament of what they're gonna do there's down so many guys you're down three of your starting defensemen now, Matias Ekholm, thank God, is healthy right now. Uh, but, Glenn, just your observations on that hit by Fabro and anything else to add on just on what I had to say there?
1: Um, I mean, I think you nailed it. It definitely should have been a major. Um, and then you also – you have – I think it's so natural for people to look back and say, well, you know, this hit on Roman Yossi, I agree. Something, something should have happened there. But considering this one isolated play, that's all that this, you know, this suspension – is four. so honestly I think that I don't know if you knew this or not and I don't even know I don't think they still do it but I know that the Department of Player Safety used to go around to every NHL team when they first started and they would do this like rookie orientation and they would have mock hearings so they would take like two or three of the top players on each NHL team they would sit down with them talk them through the rules show them video footage why things are the way they are trying to show the players, hey, we're not against you guys. We're here, we're player safety, we're here to help you. Um, And so literally they would, the Department of Player Safety would act as like the player's agent, the GMs, and then the players would act as Department of Player Safety. And they would watch these videos and then all of these NHL players would have to weigh in and say, is this worthy of a suspension? And like the majority of the time, they were all over the place. They weren't on this. Somebody was like, that was nothing. And somebody was like, that deserves three games. And so it really it really did teach the players um, the rules. They got them familiar with the process. I also think this would be beneficial if the Department of Player Safety would do this for fan bases. Like right. it really would give them an idea um, of what it is. But I, I honestly think that if they're not doing this still, they should be. Because I think it's very beneficial because like you said, the whataboutisms, the inconsistency, I think that it would give people just a better grip and understanding because all, all we get as viewers of the game is a tweet with a quick video of, well, normally players hold their elbow into their ribs, but he lifted it up in an upward motion towards the head, head hit two games. And I mean, I kind of suspected two games. Yes. I don't want to say I knew it, but I knew one was too small and I knew it wasn't going to be three. So yeah. maybe somewhere in the middle, that was a
0: two. <laughs> Dude, no, you, you're absolutely right. And I will say USA hockey does this on Facebook and mm-hmm. they, they basically post a video and then they do, you make the call. You're the official. What do you call? Is there a no call? Is this goal or no goal? Is this penalty mm-hmm. or no penalty? I think to try to help teach the fans, but obviously, as we know, comment sections on Facebook, it goes downhill quickly <laughs> sometimes, but it is still to them trying and take an opportunity to educate fans on this. And becoming more educated is not a bad thing. I mean, I'm learning new things all the time, all yeah. the time. That's what we're supposed to be doing just in life in general, but especially as sports fans because it's an ever-changing league. Sports are always evolving and changing. So
1: mm-hmm. always
0: trying to, to learn things. And that's what that's what needs to happen. I'd love to have something like that more available to where they take the time to explain things because if you think of, think of yourself being a brand new fan and not that well educated on the sport, but you want to be, those things being easily available can help really make a fan into into a bigger fan to where they can have more conversations with other fans about it too, instead of having to rely on other things or other people telling them what to think. So I think that's a lot of times what happens in any sport with fans is that they rely on other people to tell them what to think instead of them having the right resources to and be able to go and educate themselves. Yeah. Exactly. It
1: from nineteen different platforms that everybody's telling yeah
0: to tell you that's exactly what's happening and and then that's the argument no you you make a very good point there so let's move on to to the rookies it has been very awesome to see so many predators prospects and rookies get playing time like you said before hate the reason why Mm -hmm. but the youth movement found its way in even though they tried to not have it happen it crept its way in and i for one am thankful and i for one am and here for it it's just the youth movement chose violence that's the that's the only thing you, you said the youth movement was going to happen in october david and then you shunned the youth movement in december david and then what did the youth movement do it chose violence david <laughs> <laughs> But it has, been, it has been great to see some of these prospects come up because they've earned their call-ups. They've proved themselves. I mean, especially Ellie Tolvanen. He, he shows that he belongs so much in the NHL right now. And is there stuff that he can work on? Absolutely. There's always stuff these players can work on. But he is showing how lethal he is in the power play, how positionally sound he can be as well, and he's getting rewarded for it. But just on the power play in general, if he becomes a power play specialist, and that's what he becomes to where he scores – 20 goals in a season on the power play plus a few extra five on five that's not a bad thing (laughs) that's that's perfectly fine
1: (laughs) he looks so comfortable and so mature as a player out there I remember I remember Roman Yossi's first game and the first game from like the first to like the fifth or sixth game I was like this guy looks so at ease. He always looked so calm. He had a very calm presence out there. And I just remember thinking, wow, at such a young age, he looks so poised and mature. And I see a lot of that same um, in Ellie Tolvenin, just that very mature confidence in his game. Like you said, he, he doesn't even look like he belongs out there. He does belong out exactly. there.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And it's showing how much the AHL, the time in the AHL has helped these rookies. I mean, Rem Pitlick, another one, he ended up having a really good season uh, last year in the AHL. Once he got through the, once he broke the dam down on scoring goals, he, he just lit it up. And then same thing at Chicago this year with the Wolves, he's had a stellar season, stellar start to the season. He's earning time, but, and this is where I'll give head coach John Heinz credit too, is that he's putting these guys on the power play like Rem Pitlick. Yeah. Injuries. Rem, you're going to the power play. Ram, mm-hmm. you're going to take face-offs. I mean, he took eight face-offs. Or sorry, six face-offs his first game, 12 of his next game. Yeah, I mean, Carolina whooped the present face-offs last night, and Ram was only like 39%, I believe. But mm-hmm. it shows the coaching staff saying, look, this is the position we're in. We need you to take face-offs, man. Taking 12, that's not yeah. being protected near as much. That is relying no on you face. to do this.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And he looks comfortable. He looks like he belongs out there. He's going to continue to get bigger uh, as well. And then Jeremy Davies, uh, in his NHL debut, part of that P.K. Subban trade, for those of you that don't remember, two seconds. So the Yigar Afanasiyev pick and then a pick this upcoming draft, plus Steven Santini, who was bought out Not part of the team. But Jeremy Davies was the key piece in terms of actual player coming back. I uh, went to Northeastern, so the David Pohl special. I uh, went to Northeastern and he played junior. So he's a little bit older. He's 24 because he played junior before going to college. Had a fantastic year with Milwaukee last year and already was proving himself with Chicago and then earned his spot. He quarterbacked the power play. He took Roman Yossi's place and he looked so comfortable in the power play. And it shows too the comfort level that he has and how he's ready to be a pro because the speed that he has and able to enter the zone and drive towards the net, he wasn't, he wasn't backing off much at all. He took the opportunity and ran with it. And that's what you want out of these prospects too, is that they're not going to play scared hockey. They're going to fill the role and play the role it's asked of them.
1: Yep. And that's exactly what we're seeing. This is exactly what... I think all of us that have been saying this whole season, we're ready for that youth, we're ready just to see. We're ready to see. Like you said, at this point, the points don't matter. We're just ready to see what this on-ice product is and what Nashville has potentially for the future. And we're finally getting a really good glimpse of that. And it's something insanely positive, I think. Like you said, even with Jeremy Davies, we only got a tiny bit of a look, but how good of a look was that? I mean, we really got to see solid solid effort and I mean it's if anything it should just be despite however this season is going to turn out points wise wherever not going to the playoffs like press fans really really should be excited
0: yeah for the future and if they're finally getting playing time okay up yeah. next we are going to continue, celebrate International Women's Day we have two great reporters coming up we have Catherine Ellis who covers Boston University and Predators prospect David Ference, and Natalie Nori. Who covers the University of New Hampshire hockey program where Preds prospect Luke Reed plays? We're talking Predators prospects, prospects in general, and their journey in sports. That's the next two segments coming up here on Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here here in ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, and let's switch and talk college hockey now. We have a full college hockey slate for you tonight and celebrating women in sports. We have Catherine Ellis, who covers Boston University. The, The Terry is up there and hey, yeah, a top Predators prospect playing for Boston and getting their season starting to come to a close, but still plenty of things to move forward. But first of all, Catherine, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So this has obviously been a weird college hockey season and weird sports season in general. But what have what have you noticed about this college hockey season? What's it been like for you having to adapt with your role and being a reporter covering this team? And just what have you noticed has been a little different and people have had to adapt to?
2: Yeah, definitely. To say this season's been different is just the slimmest way to possibly describe how different it's been. But it's been different for me in the sense that I... Unfortunately, I'm a little less involved with the team this season in comparison to other seasons. Um, Previously, I had a different job position and I would travel with the team. I was actually the team manager my first year working for the team and I would travel with the team, go to all their games, all their practices, transition to the team ringside reporter last year where I covered every single home game. In a Arena, I would do about five interviews per game, pregame and during the game for intermissions. And this year, due to COVID, I'm so lucky because so many teams aren't even able to have a ringside reporter this season, but I'm fortunate enough to still have my position. But my role has definitely been cut back a little bit. I do one interview in one intermission and another interview in another intermission. And that's where my role ends this year. So it's definitely taken back, but I'm still just so lucky to be doing it because I know a lot of people aren't able to do that anymore. So I'm just fortunate to be in that position. But in, ter- in terms of the team this year, I would say it's really challenged the players and coaches' adaptability. They've needed to be on their toes every single day of the season. You know, our conference will usually comes out with the schedules for the games that weekend on Tuesday. And I think it was only one week this entire season that the schedule that came out on Tuesday was the schedule that actually happened that weekend. So things were jumping up here and there. Everybody's adaptability was definitely down to the maximum. But I think overall, it's making everybody stronger. It's making all the Workers stronger, the player stronger, the coach is stronger in ways that this is something we've never had to deal with before. And the fact that we've been able to even have this season and now BU's having its most successful season in so many years just goes to show how great everybody's been at adapting to the all the scenarios going on around us. So I'm really impressed with the team, with the coaches, with the staff. It's honestly been so much better than what I expected it would be to have a season in these circumstances.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, the team's chock full of talent. I mean, we'll get to David and in, in a second here, Preds fans, but there are plenty of other players too, as you see every year, this being a weird year, I mean, there's been talk with the NHL draft potentially being moved, but no, it's going to stay in July that we know of, but evaluation has been difficult as well. I'm sure for plenty of people trying to scout players. I mean, junior, we're not seeing that, but at least college is playing, but in terms of college hockey, free agents, the guys that can finish a college career and then become a free agent that are undrafted. Are there any names that kind of stand out to you because Predators fans are kind of focused on the draft now as I see how the regular season has been going so far. So any names that might stand out to you that might be of interest to, to anybody out there?
2: So B is a little bit notorious for having quite a few draft picks on the team. So (laughs) they got a lot of them taken already, unfortunately, but what I've seen with the players that are available, I have two that would be eligible for the draft that really stand out to me. Thomas Jarman, he's a 01 and he's a big mobile defenseman with a lot of offensive ability, but he prioritizes his job as a defenseman, which is super important. Also, another one is Nick Zabinet, who's a forward. He's been playing center for our team. His speed is unmatched. He is the fastest player I think I've ever seen. He just zooms across the ice in a second, I swear. Um, I think he could develop greatly over the next few years playing in a league like Hockey East, and his hockey IQ is definitely going to mature over the next couple years to start helping him make smart, strategic plays in games. So I definitely look out for him. For our free agents, big standout to me is Vinny DuPlessis. He's one of our goaltenders who stepped in when our starting goaltender, Drew Camessa, was unavailable for a little while. Vinny's first game was against the top team in the country, Boston College, and we completely upset them with Vinny in net. He was the defensive player of the week, so well-deserved that week. So, yeah, he's great in that. I think we have a lot. We have depth in our goaltending for our team, so that's a great free agent to be looking at. And another one would be Wilmer Skoog, great big offensive player. He's not afraid to get into a scruff or two, which is great for the NHL. Um, I think he's a great player under pressure. Some of his standout games were in very critical moments or games for the Terriers, and he was able to capitalize on those opportunities offensively. So definitely a good one to be looking out for.
0: Perfect. And again, folks, Catherine Ellis, who's ringside reporter, Boston University Terriers hockey program there. Let's talk David Ference. I mean, this team, like you said, is chock full of NHL prospects. I mean, I think I counted 13 draft picks on this roster. David Ference, obviously being one of them. He's a senior, only played nine games this season, but has 16 points in those nine games. And obviously one of those players that I think a lot of Predators are looking forward to now joining the defensive core eventually for the National Predators. What's been your take on David Ferentz and how he's matured and developed as a hockey player in your time covering this team?
2: Yeah, definitely. So my first year covering this team was his second year. And that's when we also had Dante Fabro in our program. who's a defenseman for Nashville now. He's obviously a great defenseman for the team. And with Dante leaving and signing with the Predators, I feel like David took it upon himself to be like, I'm going to run the defensive end of this team now. And he's done a great job doing it. I think he is a great leader on and off the ice over the last couple years. I feel like he's really found his voice as a leader of the team, which is something great to look at from the outside. I mean, what isn't there to say about David Behrens? Last season was a Hobie Baker Award top 10 nominee nominated against this season. And he's just such an offensive threat every single time he's on the ice, but it never sacrifices the defensive end of the game. He knows how to be both sides of the ice knows how to play both ways of the game and his hockey IQ is just unmatched. I know our coach Albie O'Connell has said he thinks he, he thinks David is the best player in college hockey and I could back him up on that. I mean, David is a great person on and off the ice. He steps on the ice and the other team gets worried, you know, they're like, Oh, here he is. Here's the guy we've been warned about. Here's the guy that's taking all the airtime on college hockey network. So great. I can't say enough good things about him and Predators fans should definitely be excited to hopefully see him in the future.
1: And Catherine, you kind of answered what I wanted to touch on, but a few years back at development camp here in Nashville, David Ference had talked when he was in an interview, talked about how he models his game after his favorite NHL player, PK Subban. Um, he said it was his favorite player to watch. He said that he plays with an edge, He's not afraid of anyone and he's an offensive defenseman. And so obviously by what you were saying, looking at David's overall game, it looks kind of like he's modeled his game after PK Subban in that regard. Yeah, definitely. I would
2: 100% agree with that statement. And you know what I think is interesting about it is I feel like a lot of times people model their games after people and that's how they find themselves as a player. But then they turn themselves into their own athlete. Exactly. I don't think now David is going to be the next PK Subban. I think he's the next David Ferrance. And I know for a fact there's younger kids saying I want to play just like him someday, which is incredible. It's so fun to watch him step into his own shoes and find his identity as a player. It's been great to watch.
1: Definitely exciting to think about what he could potentially bring to this Nashville Predators e one day um, and switching gears. So keeping in honor of International Women's Day yesterday, is it the whole week? I think it's the whole week, right? We'll just say it's the whole week because, you know, it, it's know. it's every day of the year, 365 days. days. Exactly. So Catherine, looking at where you started and where you are now. So I learned this from Twitter um, from a tweet you had tweeted. I think it was back in 2019 eight internships, five jobs, four universities, and now your dream job. That little bit of a text, it tells such a story, but I kind of want to go back and you do not have to go through every single step of this, but I want to go back to that first internship. What was that for you?
2: The very first one I did was actually my last quarter of high school. My school did an opportunity where you could do an internship instead of going to class. So me, I'm like, Oh, yep. Let's do that, baby. No class sounds good. I actually created my own internship where I wanted—I knew I wanted to work in sports media, didn't really know how to get my foot in the door. I found a supervisor and I was like, hey, can I do something for the hockey team? I've always been involved in the hockey world. My brother played college hockey at Harvard. My dad was a goalie for BC. So I knew I wanted to get involved with the hockey world forever. And I actually... We go to our high, public high school hockey team's games, film them on a little camera that I had, and then I made them an end-of-the-year banquet video. And they loved it. It was like, I was getting emails from parents I had never met before. And I was like, it was just like a photo slideshow with a couple highlight clips of goals, but they had never seen anything like that before. So I kind of took that. And I think that's been like the foundation of how I've gotten all these opportunities was I just did a lot of videography on my own. And I would do like hype videos for sports teams on my own time, on my own dollar, and then just presented it to teams. And that's definitely what's landed me a lot of my sports media internships. And I got to do a lot of hype videos for the hockey teams in the past. Like when I wasn't reporting, sometimes I'd go to away games and film games for them and work on like beanpot hype videos or playoff hype videos. So those definitely helped me get to where I am now. Just, yeah, you, I really put in my own work on my own time to get to where I am. And it was so worth it. And people always ask me how to get their foot in the door. I'm like, you have your own iPhone, go out there, shoot, use iMovie. Put together a hype video, send it to a team and be like, hey, if you hire me, I'll put this all over your social media. Nine out of 10 times, they'll be like, that's great.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just just start.
2: It's all you have to do is just start. Exactly, exactly. That yeah, number one thing is just if you can't get your foot in a door, make your own door and shove your foot through it. <laughs>
1: I love it. And so now that you've been at this for a bit, I just kind of want to get your personal take. Like, what has this been like for you? Like you said, you, you kind of had that headspace. You didn't know exactly where you wanted to be in sports media, but you knew there was a love for it, a passion for it. So just what has this been like for you personally? It's definitely been a journey of growth i always
2: thought i wanted to work in sports media and like i said i got started behind the scenes videography but i also felt like i always wanted to be on camera and i knew i love interacting with people i've always been such a communicator so outgoing so kind of just developing my way to get to where i am today taking all the little steps that it took to the point where I was doing a behind the scenes internship, helping out with stats and time logging. And then when I would go on location to a Bruins game or a Red Sox game, I'd say, hey, can I shoot a stand up just to get just to get some practice with it? And that's how I grew and ended up getting this on camera job ringside reporting for the team. So it's been so many different positions that I've done already, but each one has taught me so much about the industry and so much about myself. So I'm so thankful for every opportunity, even the ones that I'm like, I never want to do that job again. It was helpful to me. And I'm so grateful for that. And it's like made me the person that I am today. So 110% worth every single step. Even when I was like, my first job ever, I was a skate guard at a public hockey rink. And I'd be like handing out skates, cleaning people's skates after they used them. I'm like, hey. That's why I'm the ringside reporter now. Maybe not exactly why, but I still keep, I use that as a stepping stone in my head for credit.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Every every step is a stepping stone in helping you gain that experience for, for your future. That is a fantastic story. We can't wait to see just where your journey continues to take you. And just thank you so much for sharing all the inside knowledge on BU, and especially David Ferrance, because I know folks are very excited to see him. So, uh, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much. I'm jealous you guys are getting David Ferrins. I'd love to have him. I'd love to be able to cover him the rest of my career as well. But thank you so much. Best of luck to you guys. And go Smashville, baby.
0: There you go. Smashville, baby. Catherine Ellis, all, all about it. Uh, you can follow her at Cat Ellis Media on Twitter. Just a fantastic story already from her. And she's, she's definitely going to be going places, Glenn. Go
1: Yep, she already has come such a long way. And okay. I really am excited to watch her future in the sport. I mean, she's just got an infectious energy and a passion for this game that I mean it it goes through the airwaves. You can almost feel oh, it. Yeah. So super oh, yeah. excited to have her today.
0: All right. Well, up next, let's talk to Natalie Nori, who covers the University of New Hampshire hockey team. So just a few miles. Up the road, another Predators prospect plays there, Luke Reed, one of all the Lukes that joined the organization back in the draft and in the offseason last year. So that's up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game, Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. We're going to continue our theme here, talking college hockey prospects and especially women in sports as we continue to celebrate International Women's Day. We have ringside reporter for the University of New Hampshire hockey team. We have Natalie Nori joining us right now. Natalie, thanks for joining us.
3: Yeah, Justin and Glenn, thank you so much for having me on today. It's, it's very special to be here and talk a little bit about our program in New Hampshire.
0: Absolutely. So just overall this season, I mean, obviously New Hampshire, looking at the standings, hasn't done as well, but I'm sure most people are just thankful that they're able to play and, and have the opportunity to play. So what has it been like overall for you this season for the team?
3: Yeah, obviously, it's been a super disrupted season. I've had the uh, the opportunity to kind of intern and work a little bit with our conference so far this year uh, with Commissioner Steve Metcalf and Hockey East. And we've spoken a lot about how disrupted the season has been and how it's it's been difficult to, to make sure that everyone gets the equal amount of playing time. So as you said, uh, teams are just lucky to have the opportunity to get out on the ice, as I'm sure every level of hockey is right now. Um, for us, we were the first team in the conference to really get hit with covid Uh, so we went on you know one or two pauses right towards the beginning there so that was that was a rocky start for new hampshire but um about 20 20 games later i think uh, we're in playoffs starting today actually the team is up in orono maine uh playing our rival the black bears so it's it's been exciting it's been a pretty turbulent challenging road getting to this point but i know that myself the team the coaches everyone's just happy to be able to get on the ice and play some games
1: And like you said, everyone, everyone's happy, they're thankful they can play, but you know, that doesn't come without those personal hurdles, I guess, for the players, as well as somebody like you. So from your perspective, due to all these changes for COVID protocol, what has that been like for you as a reporter, just trying to adapt? Because I know that stuff changes day to day.
3: Yeah, as a reporter, it's been quite difficult because our broadcast uh, production group, we've, we've had a very hard time kind of figuring out when to get games on TV, when to get games uh, played in general. So for us, the the network that we work through is Nesson, the New England Sports Network. Um, and I think we've only had maybe three or four games on Nesson so far this year. The first two that we were going to have that I was going to be ringside actually got postponed due to COVID reasoning. Uh, So that kind of broke my heart a little bit. Uh, And then right after that, our production department actually came down with COVID as well. So we didn't really have anyone here to direct or produce games. So it was actually in that pause that I was, I I don't know how, but I was the only one who didn't really get, I didn't get COVID at all, which was kind of a miracle. So I actually stepped up and uh, learned how to direct and produce and run graphics and replays from the control room here. So it was a, a huge learning experience for me as a reporter although the opportunities haven't exactly been there so far this year to be ringside other doors have opened up in other areas so i'm trying to change it into a more of a positive learning experience and i've been able to try a whole a whole new load of things so it's been it's been difficult and it's been kind of um uh, i don't know what the word is it kind of i don't know sometimes it's difficult to to know that the things that i want to do are not exactly happening but it's taught me some different things in other areas so
0: and hey, those other skills, who knows, especially those being on your resume, what it can lead to and being able to turn that silver lining around, right? I mean, it's it's always important, especially in our industry in media, the more we can learn, the better and adapt and everything too. Uh, so again, Natalie Norrie, who covers the University of New Hampshire hockey program, up there in New Hampshire as we continue to talk college hockey here. Let's let's switch to prospects because uh, New Hampshire has a Predators prospect defenseman Luke Reed who's taken in the sixth round back in the, the last year's draft as well. He's just a freshman there, but he played USHL, played junior – what, what can you tell us about Luke Reed? Because obviously we haven't been able to watch him really much down here. So we kind of rely on those. They do get to watch more often and, and see him play. Uh, what have you seen out of him? I mean, he had what six points, I think, in, in the games that he's played, but as a defenseman, obviously, okay. And as a freshman too. So what's your prospect report on Luke Reed?
3: Yeah, I think I think Luke Reed is a huge asset to our program and to the Predators as well. I think that it, it was a great selection from them. I know we were all so happy for him. The draft happened at a really interesting time of year. So I remember he was here sitting in his college dorm with his roommate and got the call and was just elated to be selected by the Predators. But yeah, he as it takes every college athlete to adjust to the college fast paced level. It, it takes a little bit of a period of uh, transitioning, and I think for for luke it actually happened a little quicker because due to all the COVID pauses we had some uh, veteran players that might have been out that allowed opportunities for the younger players to get some playing time and luke really he made a name for himself quickly in those first few games Uh, he he really knows how to contribute to the offense i think he's a very offensive minded minded defenseman uh he's got great size of course six foot 190 i believe he is um but He really knows when to step up when they need him. He runs the second power play unit here, which I think is a huge role for a freshman to be in. Um, he's, He's obviously a very impactful player. One goal, five assists on the season so far. I think tonight he's actually on the first line Uh, with a sophomore defenseman so that just goes to show how some of our underclassmen are really starting to step up but yeah I mean he's adjusted to to the the play pretty quickly he can kind of play with anyone so it's cool to see his uh, versatility of a player and I think even before games, I always like to read the body language of players, especially the, the athletes that I don't really know too well. So he's always very zoned in, always kind of sits in the same section at the rink, and he's almost in, I don't know, a meditative state before he gets on the ice. But yeah, he's, he's physical. He definitely jumps in on the plays, and he's made his transition pretty well so far. So I'm really excited to see what he can do here and, and how he can make himself stand out even more for the Predators.
0: Boy, that's that's fantastic to hear. It sounds just like the, the new evolution of the NHL defenseman being very yeah. mobile, contributing to the offense and everything like that. And I do remember when he did his interview, it was in his dorm room. <laughs> I, I remember that. I'm going, These, that's right. It's October. These kids are in their dorms. They're at college right now. And so the jersey hanging in the back, you could tell is the scramble of, oh, no, I need to get ready. I'm doing an interview with media from Nashville. Uh, yes. so. Yeah, it
3: was Sorry, it was, sorry, it was so funny to see because it was also a teammate, Philip Angeras, got picked up the same time and apparently the story goes that they were just doing homework and all of oh, a sudden man roommates or teammates started yelling and calling them so it's just an interesting environment to get drafted in but yeah super funny
0: (laughs) you'll never forget that absolutely never forget that so uh, any other players stand out to you that because I mean we don't hear as much from New Hampshire but obviously there's plenty of talent there too any players stick out to you that might be eligible in this upcoming draft or maybe some free agents that might be eligible and moving on that might sign an NHL deal potentially at the end of their college hockey season
3: yeah, that that free agency question is going to be an interesting one. It's still kind of up in the air right now because we're not sure which seniors are going to want to stay and take the additional year because everyone got the red shirt this year. So I'm not exactly sure. You know, you've got you've got someone like Patrick Grasso who's been around the program for I think this is his fifth year already. Um, and he, he's got incredible talent. He's really, really uh. Cerebral forward, very smart player, can really set up his teammates, but also take the shot. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, take it a little further, and hopefully try to sign that that free agent deal somewhere along the line. I think someone who's really stood out to me so far this year is Callie Erickson out of uh, Lexan, Sweden. He's a defenseman who's actually playing with Luke Reed tonight on the same defensive line. But he, yeah, he made some some huge strides between his freshman and sophomore year. I think. He only had six assists in his freshman season. And this year already, I think he's got five goals, 12 assists. He runs that first power play unit, really stepped up into some leadership roles. And so he is, as I said, he's from Sweden, so he might be eligible still to Due to the draft rules, they, they get confusing. But I know that uh, even over 20 years old, they're still eligible. Uh, so he's been really good for us. Um, I, I I know that Carson Rickles was thinking he was projected of getting picked up this past year with Luke, but I I don't think he did. I'm not sure. I know that they were probably looking at you know his size and his skill. He's 6'3", 229, and he's you know he's also a huge presence on the ice for us. But there's a lot of skilled players. New Hampshire is not a program that gets too much recognition sometimes, but we, we do know that a lot of our players that come through here all have the potential to develop into some really impactful players on and off the ice. So yeah, I'd look out for someone like Carson Rickles, someone like Callie Erickson up front. uh, I've seen a lot of good things from Lucas Herman, who is a sophomore uh, out of Buffalo, New York or something. Um, yeah, uh, Chase Stevenson, they, they all really, uh, they do really well on that front line, can take a shot when they want to get in the shot lane. Um, yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> I, I guess those names kind of stick out to me for the younger guys. And for the seniors, we're just going to have to see who decides to take it a little further. I know we've got Charlie Kelleher, our captain, he's always good. And Benton Mass, who's been drafted uh, to the Capitals. And Mike Robinson and Net, who's going to San Jose, Um, So we're just going to see if they take the extra year or not. But if not, I I hope to see all of them continue on.
1: A lot of people to watch in New Hampshire. And now, Natalie, switching gears, we're going to honor International Women's Day, which was yesterday, but we're going to extend that into. And I just want to talk about your story. I mean, was this something like you obviously have a passion in sports, but what you're doing now is that kind of exactly the path that you wanted to go or did it kind of involve evolve over time? Just where did you start um, getting you to the point where you are now?
3: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for asking that question. Uh, it's always nice to talk about where I come from, but yeah, I think being from New Hampshire myself, I grew up a Boston Bruins fan. And in 2011, when they, they won the Stanley cup, that was actually a very memorable year all around for me. I learned the game of hockey predominantly from my grandfather Um, And in 2011, he was diagnosed with bone cancer. We weren't sure how much uh, time we were going to have with him. So his favorite thing to do was to watch the Bruins. So every, every game that they kept going further and further, it was, I think I was in uh, a sixth grade or something. I was 12 at the time, but it was school nights and I was staying up late just so I could watch these games with my grandpa. And they ended up going all the way and winning. And for me, it was that experience that showed me how the game really brings people together in no matter what time you're going through, it can bring people together and and cause these really memorable times. So when I was 12, I really just Decided that I wanted to pursue something like this, he passed away the following year. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do it for him. I'm going to do it for me and hopefully make something of myself and maybe show other people how I can bring them together through the game. So when I came to UNH, I just first week came into the office here and talked about what I wanted to do. I just love hockey. I want to talk about hockey? Where can you direct me? And they put me right where I want to be. So this has all been a great experience for me and I can't wait to see where else it takes me.
1: <laughs> you can't wait to see either. I mean, honestly, this whole interview is inspiring. I mean, hearing you talk a little bit ago about how, you know, when your role wasn't active, you turned around and you started learning other stuff and did other stuff, and that's so inspiring. And I absolutely, I'm very, very passionate, obviously, about hockey, women in sports. So, and then the bringing the worlds together. I mean, that's exactly what hockey does. Hockey brought Justin and I together. What was it? Ten years 10 ago. Ten years ago. Yeah. And, and it, we met at a hockey game and became instant friends and then started doing this. And it's just, it's so inspiring to hear your story. I mean, I started getting choked up, um, oh. but it's, it's so true because it really does bring people together. Obviously, like today we're sitting here talking with you, having never met you in real life. So very, very inspiring work. Um, you're doing great things.
3: Oh, thank you so much for saying that. That means, it means a lot to me and I'm happy, you know, as you said, the sport can bring people together. It's, it's Mm -hmm. funny to hear how you two were brought together at a game, but yeah, it's exactly how I feel too. And it's, it's a great environment to be around. So thank you for saying that. I appreciate it.
0: So before we have to let you go, Natalie, just to kind of give New Hampshire a little bit of limelight here, more so than just the product on the ice, you have a 30-second elevator pitch. What's something that somebody should know about just the hockey lifestyle at New Hampshire and what makes it stand out and be different from from the rest of other college hockey towns?
3: Oh boy, 30 seconds. <laughs> I, I think even though we're an hour north from Boston, we've still got that Boston atmosphere. You know, we've got really, really passionate fans up here. Our student section is incredible. I think if anyone was going to come play here, the environment at our Whittemore Center, the arena is just, it's electric, really. It, it gets you going. Uh, I think New Hampshire hockey is kind of underrated sometimes, but we've got a we got a lot of fight in our game and we've got a lot of a lot of fun behind the scenes that a lot of people don't don't really see on the surface area. So I guess if I was going to say anything about the New Hampshire hockey program, it's it's just it's a lot of fun. Anyone who plays here, it's like the fans and the athletes play the game together. And there's that really togetherness feeling that people develop. And even myself, the whole conference is very friendly with each other. So it's, it's nice to have that included feeling. But yeah, it's, it's a great school. It's a great place. And I'm fortunate to be here.
0: That's awesome. Well, Natalie, thank you so much again for taking the time to speak with us. We really do appreciate it.
3: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure to get to speak and meet both of you today. So I thank you.
0: Folks, Natalie Nori covers the University of New Hampshire men's hockey program up there, ringside or border, as well as other things because she's had to adapt. So it's awesome to hear. Her story and her journey, and just to hear an update on Predator's prospects too. I mean, I think this is a great time, <laughs> not now than when, to hear about Predator's prospects and potential players joining the program. Uh, so Glenn, up next, let's discuss just some of the news that's come out. I mean, lots of news has come out, but especially the, the new deal that NHL has with ESPN and just what that means for the growth of the sport that we love. And I think that's definitely a topic that we both are passionate about is helping grow the sport that we love. That's up next here on Penalty box Boxerator, ESPN 1025, the game. Welcome back to Penalty Boxer here in on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And, I mean, before we move on, Glenn, just great hearing about the Predators' prospects, but great hearing about the journeys that both uh, Catherine and Natalie have taken just in their sports journeys and still very, very early in their sports careers very, as well. They have so, such bright futures ahead of them.
1: They, re- they they really do, and they were fantastic to talk to. Absolute joys to talk to. They're so passionate about the players' Um, they're so passionate about the sport, their careers. I mean, they're all around. It was just very inspiring, and I hope that I hope that a lot of our listeners got something out of that because there were there were lessons to be taken from what both of them said. You know, I mean, just taking every opportunity that you're given, and if you're not given the opportunity, create that opportunity for yourself. So
0: adaptation is yeah. ever important. If you missed those, if you're just now joining us. You can listen on the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Pelony Box Radio on Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud. Visit the website. There's no excuse <laughs> for every heat miss these interviews. People. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> if you know the reference I just made, folks.
1: I was going to, but I, I literally was going to say that, but I didn't want it to be shrill. You didn't sound <laughs> shrill. Did
0: I? No, I, I didn't.
1: But sometimes I can be shrill.
0: <laughs> t- t- tweet me if you understood that reference. I'm going to give you five seconds before we spoil it for you because Glenn knows the reference, right? I do. <laughs> okay, what was the reference, Glenn? <laughs> what Sorry. was that reference? Give it to me.
1: It's everywhere. It's everywhere. I don't know what it is.
0: What is it, oh, Jess? Yeah, it's Ray Stevens. The squirrel. Oh, wait. The, oh yeah, the, the squirrel. squirrel the, in the church. church. Yeah. 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 My,
1: that's so funny because my mom and I <laughs> and my sister grew up Cracking up at Ray Stevens, loved him, and so we always say it's everywhere. But then I was like, "Wait, where did it come from?" Oh, okay. See, no so hope.
0: you got it, you got, I it, got it, but then, and then forgot. I, yeah,
1: I've never been asked the source because the only people I say it to know, and so we just laugh about it. <laughs> funny. Ray Stevens, I the look day the again,
0: squirrel went go- berserk, the- and the self <laughs> self-righteous <laughs> church in that sleepy little town of Pascagoula. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, if you missed it, I don't know how, because this is absolutely huge. Uh, The NHL signed a massive deal with Disney and ESPN starting next season. As most of you may know or do not know, NBC Sports Network will be dissolving. It will be no more. So that is just going away. And obviously most knew that ESPN would be the logical choice to make a deal to really grow the sport. But there was there, there's the potential of another network coming in to swooping in and it being like OLN or, or you know one of those random networks where people would be like, huh? "Oh God, no, not again, uh, kind of thing. But ESPN, huge deal. Uh, Gary Bettman and uh, Jim Pitaro spoke with the media as well in addressing this. And what the major points of this deal are? One, it's good for the sport of hockey. And a lot of know a lot of people hate ESPN in terms of the television programming for not talking hockey. Well, they're talking about the sports that you know make them money at the time, and they have deals with, which is NFL, NBA, college football, things like that. That's why they talk about it. Well, now the NHL is going to be a part of those talks because they have to be in informing new actual studio content. I mean, you think in terms of hockey allies at ESPN, Linda Cone is huge mm-hmm. uh, with, with being a hockey ally and loving the sport of hockey. Uh, John Buchogross with everything that he's done, especially college hockey, being a big supporter of college hockey. So they are definitely hockey minds at ESPN, but what the big part of this partnership is doing is taking it through the 27, 28 season, plus airing Stanley cup games. So the Stanley cup will be on ESPN slash ABC. And that's huge for this because you're on a network that when people are just trying to find something like, I just want sports. Mm-hmm. Or are they going to NBC sports as much as they're going to ESPN? No, it's just, nor ESPN has branded itself as the sports leader for so long that when people are looking for sports, they're going to go there. Plus the streaming options is, and I'm kind of breaking this down so everybody knows what's going on. ESPN will have 75 national regular season games per season produced by ESPN. They'll stream exclusively on both ESPN plus and Hulu. So you have that Disney plus deal, the Hulu and ESPN plus one, you're going to get a lot of regular season games as well. This is basically going to take away NHL.tv and ESPN Plus is going to be where you're going to be able to watch out-of-network games. So to recap real quick, the Predators still have their deal with the regional network, which is Fox Sports Tennessee right now, changing to the Bally Sports Network, which will be Bally Sports South. Dear God, I know this gets confusing. I'm so sorry, folks. But, but, I'm it, lost.
1: can you start over?
0: <laughs> but, Valley Sports Network will be coming along as the rebrand because Sinclair's rebranded to Valley Sports Network. Fox Sports Tennessee will no longer exist. They won't have the Tennessee Network, it'll just be South. So, you'll, you'll have the Valley Sports Network that's going to take care of the locals. Okay. This is the national stuff. And what's big about this for national is the money involved, which is over $400 million compared to, I think, NBC Sports around $200 million. So that's a lot of money coming into the teams and coming into the league, which is good for growth of the mm-hmm. sport that we love. Plus, there's going to be the NHL faceoff, which is going to be going on. The NHL All-Star Game and Skills Challenge will also be with ESPN, ABC, Stanley Cup playoffs. And plus, 25 exclusive national regular season games on ABC or ESPN. That's big because when you think about most people to have access to the networks, they're going to have access to ABC or ESPN, especially ABC mm-hmm. being over the antenna still and being this normal channel. But ESPN is included on every single package that you buy, whether you're on Hulu, you're on YouTube TV, you're on any of those streaming networks. And that was the big deal for them that they, that they recognized that the NHL's fan base skews young in terms of the demo. And we're considered young, Glenn. We're under 40. Oh, Woo. You. young. And I mean, it's one of those things that streaming is huge. Cord cutting is huge. And they mentioned that in their press conference about cord cutting and streaming that people want access to these things without having to have a deal with a satellite provider or a cable provider. And that was huge. And, I know Glenn, just from your experience, you've been cord cut for how long be it still being able to watch sports, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, for somebody like me, I mean, I haven't had, I haven't had cable for 14 years. By choice. It just wasn't a, a necessity. However, I do watch, um, Predators games. I've got a family plan. So I do stream the games. Um, but I mean, when you, when you don't have that streaming option, when you don't have all of these options for you're limiting your fan base, you're shunning people away and not giving them the opportunity just to watch the game. I mean, I have friends who are outside of the Nashville market who for years, you know, at times they have, they have problems watching the Preds games and they want to watch the Preds games. Right. So just encompassing the streaming option is, is massive because we all know what world we're living in right now. And we are living in a streaming environment. That's just what it is. So super, super exciting. I'm, I'm thrilled. Um, and you're right. I mean, ESPN for me, that's just, that is the sports network. And there are Mm -hmm. plenty of faces that do represent hockey very, very well there. So I think it's in good hands and I'm super excited.
0: I know it's getting up there, but please give me Gary Thorne for a couple games. I just want to throw back a little bit. And they already did tweet out that the ESPN theme, the NHL and ESPN theme will be back. I'm sure they're going to update it a little bit, but it's going to be back. And that just, that goes through my veins, people. Just inject it into my veins, the NHL and ESPN theme. And there's still another deal to happen, too, that's going to include three other Stanley Cup finals plus other streaming as well. So this deal, the other deals that the NHL is going to have combined with ESPN is about $2.8 billion total. It's huge for the league to bring that kind of money in. And so to reiterate, too, NHL TV will be going away and it's going to be ESPN Plus. It's going to have like 1,000 plus games. So, all the out of market games, if you're out of market and you're listening to this on podcast or live right now streaming, you'll be able to watch Predators games if you're not in market on ESPN Plus. So, you're not going to have to pay all that money for NHL.TV anymore. You're going to have a package deal that is ESPN Plus involved. Way easier app to use, too much, much, much easier app and access to so many other sports too. So I know we're kind of hyping it up and we're not even part of this, but to me, I'm just excited for accessibility to the sport. The way you grow a sport too is making it more easily accessible. And if you want your fan base to to grow up with it, especially you think about those that are in college, Mm-hmm. they're not they need to have access to this if you want them to be able to access their teams in their dorm room you got to be able to stream it where they can watch on their phone or watch on a tablet or watch on a laptop or whatnot uh so the streaming options is going to be huge for the growth of the sport and hopefully we just see that continue to grow more and more and just i, I really like this deal overall and glad it's coming back to espn meaning we're going to hopefully get some good talent coming there too but just knowing that nationally these games are going to be seen by a lot more people. So be curious to just track the, the ratings and stuff as it goes along. Mm-hmm. So I'm, just, yeah. I'm excited for the growth of the sport and the years to come and it being back on ESPN, we've been talking about this for years and it finally, happened. finally yeah. happened.
1: I mean, you, we always, we always talk about the growth of any sport, but we talk about it specifically with hockey and anytime you're limiting a fan base, um, you can't grow. And so now right. it shows that the league is taking those efforts to truly, truly, expand their reach grow the fan base and grow the sport all good things ahead
0: absolutely okay folks if you missed anything go to penaltyboxer.com make sure you subscribe to us on apple google spotify stitcher soundcloud you can get all the podcasts there fantasy hockey podcast other podcasts talk about the natural predators uh, a little bit of everything that you need covering the hockey for all things Hockey the Music City, it's Penalty Box Radio. So for Glenn Blackwell, for all of our guests, producer Kenny, thanks for taking care of us as always, sir. Justin Bradford, thanks for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.